Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Radio Gaga. As always, I am your host, Jersey with a Z. So, mainly today we're going to be talking about Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, obviously. And there are going to be spoilers, obviously. So, if you don't want to know any spoilers, you should probably come back after you've either seen the play or read it or given it and decided you want to hear spoilers. Um, we'll get there in a sec. First, super excited about Sharknado, The Fourth Awakens tonight. Who doesn't love Sharknado? If you don't, I don't think you're American. Um, are they, okay, let's be honest. They're like the stupidest movies ever made. But I adore them so much. I like that Tara Reid is still somehow making money. It makes me feel good inside. Um, and they're just so bad that, like, you can't stop watching them. You know what I mean? Um, I don't really know much about the plot of it other than it's set five years later. Um, so, yeah, really excited about it. I'll probably talk about it Wednesday. Um, yeah, so this is that. Um, update to the Pokemon Go app happened yesterday, which I am not at all pleased about. Um, so they, um, they took away the tracking. Like, it's, like, just permanently gone. It's not there anymore. Like, I know it was broken with, like, you know, everything was three steps away. Uh, but now that's gone completely. And it doesn't even let you, like, select a Pokemon to track. So, like, if you're, um, trying to, like, you know, use that, the, like, blinking, um, the blinking, like, uh, compass trick, that doesn't even work now because you can't select Pokemon. Um... So it's super frustrating. And then um, the uh, Poke Vision, the map that, you know, basically showed you where every single uh, thing is. Um, it They've decided to take that down because the, um, the um, game creators, uh, you know, think it's cheating somehow. Um, I personally don't think it's necessarily cheating. I mean... It's not really a competitive game at this point, so I don't really see how there's cheating, you know. Um, like, it's not like you're a leg up over somebody because you're not competing for the same thing. Like, it's basically right now just kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure, you know, go-at-your-own-pace kind of deal. Um, but, I don't know, for some reason they think it's cheating. Um, I think the developer of um, PokeVision said that it's, like, launching a game of Marco Polo, and, like, well, getting rid of the tracking. It's like launching a game of Marco Polo and then getting rid of the polo and expecting people to still play. Or something to that effect. Um, which makes sense. I mean, I, I personally have not played it at all today. And I didn't play it yesterday really after I updated it because it's not fun. I mean, I'm just kind of wandering around hoping for the best that I can eventually find something. But there's not really any guarantee on that. And so, just like, okay. I mean, like, I'll walk around to hatch eggs. But it seems like a lot of the fun has been taken out of it. Um, for me, personally. Um, what else? Last week was the Democrat convention. Which I didn't really watch any of. <laughs> um... I did watch Bill Clinton's speech, which was basically, let me try to convince you that I actually love my wife and that she's awesome. Um, 
But I mean, he's such a charming guy. Even however old he is, he's still super charming. And um, he looked healthy, which he hasn't really looked for a while. You know, he had um, those health issues and whatnot. Um, so it was good to see him being healthy again. Um, and I think I recorded it. I haven't watched it. I am meaning to watch Hillary's speech. Here she definitely uh, name-checked Hamilton. Um, uh, oh, crap. What lyric was it that she uh, quoted? Oh, um, she uh, quoted a line from uh, the story of tonight. The, Though we may not live to see our glory, let us gladly join the fight. Um, her, she said that um, let our legacy be about planting seeds in a garden you never get to see. That's why we're here. Not just in this hall, but on this earth. The founder showed us that. Um, now, apparently that came like an hour into the speech. So, oy vey. Um, so, I mean, yay. I love Hamilton. <laughs> I was trying to decide if I... Um, Loved Hamilton enough to <laughs> try to win tickets to see it with um, with um, uh, her and Lemon while Miranda, and I kind of decided no, I don't think I want to see it that much. <laughs> and um, uh, that's about that. I can't really think of anything super big otherwise in the news um this week um and um yeah i don't know why i'm getting really distracted with that uh so moving on i guess to uh the main topic of our episode today which is harry potter and the cursed child um i so i went to Barnes and Noble for their midnight release party because you know obviously that's what I'm going to do um it was not what I remember them being um I went alone which was also different I'd always went with friends and let me tell you book release midnight book release parties are not fun without friends um that it wasn't like super well planned like there weren't like activities or you know stuff or whatever um you got sorted into your house when you got there to check in to get your book ticket. And I basically told them that I would just straight up cry if the sorting hat didn't put me in Hufflepuff. Um, so it did. And I was like, yay, Hufflepuff. But nobody else was like, yay, Hufflepuff. Everybody else was like, Hufflepuff sucks. And I was like, you guys are just jealous because we live by the kitchens. Um, so, yeah, you, get, you got sorted. And then it was just kind of like a long wait hanging around until midnight. <laughs> um I have never gotten a book, at Harry Potter book at midnight. Um, yeah, um, funnily enough, um, always waited um, to get them from Barnes and Noble or Amazon because you know it was always way cheaper. So I'd like go, I'd leave like right before midnight, and then just like go home and sleep, and then be sad about it. Um, but I actually did buy a copy um, at midnight last night, and I came home and I read Act One, Part One, Act One, and then I went to bed because I was exhausted. I tried to take a nap when I got home from work. That didn't happen. Um, and so I was on like my second bottle of Mountain Dew at like 1130. Um, I was the first person in line though after the three contest winners. And then it was me and I was like, yay, I'm so excited. Um, you know, got my book, ran out of the Barnes and Noble, drove home, you know, got in my chair. Still in my Hogwarts outfit. Yeah, I, I completely cosplayed. I bought a cloak specifically for this occasion. Um, 
So I was just full on Hufflepuff cosplay, I mean, sitting here in my, my little skirt and whatnot, just reading it. Um, and I slammed the book closed at page 17 and pick up my phone because I decide I need to text my best friend because of how ridiculous the story is. So backing up, um, uh, Andrew Sims from MuggleCast and Hypable went and saw the first preview of the play. And um, I didn't want to read the, um, I didn't want any actual spoilers for the episode. You know, I just wanted to know, you know, general, I guess, feelings on the play, on the story. And they weren't good. Um, they're, in fact, very, very bad. Um, that, I mean, the play was great. Um, but the um, plot, the story, was what um, all of the the big fansite people were saying. That that's where the problem was, was in the story. It was compared to Twilight and that it was very fan fiction-y, um, which got me worried. Um, I talked to um, Eric Skull from MuggleCast when he was at Indie PopCon, and I asked if it was comparable to like the final episode of How I Met Your Mother, but he hadn't seen that, so he didn't really have an answer for it. Um, Andrew also described it as didn't want to like touch the, that the issue of whether or not it was like the prequels to Star Wars. Um, and, I, I mean, I guess I kind of got that vibe from it. Um, so, backing up, for those of you who aren't really aware of what's happening, um, uh, I think it was, gosh, it was a, several years ago. Um, um, these um, playwrights, this director and this playwright, approached J.K. Rowling with the idea for this play. And at that point, it kind of seemed like this was a prequel kind of things thing um that it was about harry before hogwarts um so let me see if wikipedia okay so it was in december of 2013 um it was revealed that a harry potter play had been in development for about a year um that it was going to be in london's west end and um that um, it was, um, let me see if this has it on here. The um, original release of the book, um, or of the play, um, said Rowling said that it would explore the previously untold story of Harry's early years as an orphan and outcast. And so, after that, um, it was... Um, it said the uh, Wikipedia says that's when Rowling started finding collaborators. Um, this, yeah, this is from December says she was in collaboration with Sonia Friedman and Colin Callender for the play um, that she was going to co-produce but not write. Um, the original release that she'd received countless approaches about turning Harry into a theatrical performance. Um, and then these two people came to her with this, I guess, vision or idea that she liked, um, they worked on it for about a year, and then they were going to move forward, and then it says, um, the original plot summary was, um, that it's a brand new play that will explore the previously untold story of Harry's early years as an orphan and outcast. Featuring some of our favorite characters from the Harry Potter books, this new work will offer a unique insight into the heart and mind of how, how the now legendary young wizard, a seemingly ordinary boy, 
but one for whom destiny has plans. Um, at that point, there were no writers or directors being considered, um, and that it was going to move into development in the following year. Um, so we all kind of assumed that it was going to be a prequel, um, that it was going to be about, you know, Harry's early years with the Dursleys, um, and so it's kind of what everyone operated on for, for a long time. Um, an article from May says that she was considering John Tiffany, who ended up being the director of the play. Um, and that um, Warner Brothers was involved. Um, and they talked about, their, their article's talking about how it's um, a play, not a musical. Um, so they might not eat a giant theater. Of course, you definitely need a giant theater. Um and so, then it comes out in June of last year, 2015, that the play was going to be premiering in 2016, that it had a new title, it was Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, um, and that it was, that was it, that's all we had at that point. We didn't um, have any more plot summary, but that in June 2015 is when Rowling said that it would not be a prequel. Um, the same line that she continued to use going forward. Um, she also said that she, that she hoped people would realize that this had to be a play once they see it, that, you know, it couldn't be a novel. It couldn't be a movie that this needed to be on, on the stage. Um, and it says here that, um, Rowling, um, assured people it would be entirely new content and unexplored uh, content. Um, then in September of last year, they announced it's going to be split into two parts. Um, that could be viewed the same day or over a couple evenings, uh, much like Wolf Hall, I guess, when it premiered on Broadway. It was in two parts as well. And then in October of last year is when it finally came out that this is the eighth story 19 years later. Um, that it's going to be about Harry, uh, overworked ministry employee, his son, Albus Severus, and then, um, and that it was going to be premiering, um, in June of 2016 in London's, um, Palace Theater, which is gorgeous from all the pictures I've seen. Um, and apparently it's already in, uh, negotiations to go to New York Schubert Theater, uh, next year, perhaps stopping in, uh. Vancouver in Canada first which I guess a lot of plays do before they come to Broadway um so that's a brief ish history of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child so and so when they announced the the play it was billed as the eighth story 19 years later which turned into once it was announced that the script would be published that this is the eighth book which is not the eighth book I don't like referring to it as an eighth book because it is not written by J.K. Rowling. Yes, her name is on the book. It's the first author name listed because you you need that name to sell that brand. Um, but it's, it's not a Harry Potter book. It is a Harry Potter story. That's how I like to refer to it. I mean, is it on the bookshelf next to my Harry Potter books currently? Yeah. But it's not the eighth book. It's a story. And is it canon? Yeah. Joe put her stamp of approval on it. I'm going to accept it as canon. Um, so, um, it was. It's, this is the special rehearsal edition. Um, this is the script that was what they used for rehearsals and what they've used for 
at least the beginning previews because you know previews is when you, you tighten things you adjust it there aren't usually major rewrites um but in uh 2017 there will be a um final or either in late late this year or early next year the definitive collector's edition will be um published and yeah i'm probably gonna end up buying that <laughs> that's you know how i live my life so um yeah i i bought it last night started reading it and i finished it today it did not take a long time to read um since it's a script and not a novel there are not as many uh words per page and there are as many lines on the page um so it 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 goes by really quickly you can get a lot of pages done in a short amount of time um with the stage directions there they're actually beautifully written in some parts um it doesn't really give much away but my favorite um was there's a silence a perfect profound silence one that sits low, twists a bit, and has damage within it. That's a stage direction, which is, you know, would basically be, you know, um, narration in a book. But the stage directions in this play are written basically like um, narration in a book. They're really beautiful. They're really descriptive. Um, so I can really see how everyone's saying this is a visually stunning production. Like, you can, you get it, not like a huge sense of it, but you can tell from the stage directions what they're going to be trying to achieve on the stage and that makes me really excited to hopefully one day get to see it i don't think that's going to happen because you know i'm poor um unless they film it and uh, race it on dvd or do one of those you know live theater simulcasts but i'm really excited to see how they do this because you know it's not a movie where you can spend months in post making visual effects like this has to be done in real time in real life practical effects so that's going to be, I'm sure, astounding to see. Um, so getting back to the plot. So, you know, it's going good. I'm enjoying it. Uh, you know, we start, it picks up literally right at the end of book seven. We're on the platform, nine and three quarters. You know, Harry's taking his kids. He has the conversation with Albus Severus about, you know, you named after two of the bravest men I ever knew. You know, if you're in Slytherin, then they'll have gained a great student. And, um... He boards a train with Rose Granger, Rose Weasley Granger, or Granger Weasley. So Hermione is not taking Ron's name. It's hyphenated. Um, and they do have a really strong relationship in the play. I know that um, Joe Rowling had come out not long ago saying that she doesn't think they would have made it, you know, long term. Um, but in the play, they have such a strong relationship. And it's I find it really great because I've always, you know, been pro Ron and Hermione. Um, I think they're a great match. I think they, they challenge each other and, um, I think they need each other. So I like that. Um, their daughter is somehow super athletic and like the spitting image of her mother. She's super smart. She's super driven. Um, she's like a Quidditch star at Hogwarts. Um, you know, I mean like Ron was okay at Quidditch, but he wasn't like, you know, the greatest thing ever. Um, so they're on the train and Rose is super excited because she's like, you know, we have to basically we need to meet our best friends right now today because that's how our parents met. And that's just how it's going to be. And so they're kind of like scoping out the compartments and then they meet uh, Draco Malfoy's son, Scorpius. He's all alone in his little cabin. They don't. Well, well, OK. Albus doesn't know who he is. Rose does. And he knows who both of them are. And so he like offers them 
their candy, he offers them candy from the cart, kind of like how, you know, Harry and Ron first interacted. You know, Harry offered him food. And Rose is freaking out. She's like, you cannot be friends with this guy. Like, we're not going to do it. And um, I was like, well, why not? He seems like a nice guy. And Scorpius is like, well, I'll tell you why not. And he, you know, this is who I am. It's who my dad is. And Albus is like, well, you know what? That's, you know, the past is the past. You seem nice. I want to be your friend. And Rose gets super angry and basically, like, decides she's not going to speak to him for, like, ever. Um, And then we get cool vignettes. There are a lot of vignettes in the first act of the play because that the majority of the play takes place in their fourth year. So we kind of get like fast forwardy montages um, of years one, two, and three. And so those are pretty cool. At first, like Rose and Albus are pretending that they like each other still um, for their parents' sake. But like immediately when the parents are gone, Rose is like, see ya. Um, and so you, this, there, I can see why everyone says that Scorpius Malfoy is going to become your new favorite character. Because he is a really awesome character. He's almost the, he's the exact opposite of what his father was at his age. He's so caring. He's super sweet. You know, he just wants friends. That's all he really wants is to have friends. Um, he is loyal to a fault. Um, and him and Albus, they have this great relationship where they they will do anything to protect the other one. Um, a lot of people have, um... Uh, written in their reviews or blogged about how they felt that this was trying that this pushed almost um, to finally having a um, gay relationship in Harry Potter canon I can see where you can get that I mean it's not you know explicitly yes or no but I mean you could interpret their relationship that way I didn't um, because in the rest of the Harry Potter canon, there have been Harry Ron and Hermione have that kind of relationship too. Harry and Hermione have that relationship, and I never once considered that they were going to be romantically involved. Um, and like, I hate the assumption that just because two people, you know, no matter what their you know gender or sexual identity are have such a strong relationship, that means they must you know get romantically involved. I don't. But believe in that line of thought. I never once thought Harry and Hermione were going to end up together or had that, you know, relationship. In, you know, movie seven, they kind of have that really awkward scene where they're dancing after Ron leaves and they kind of want you to think it's a will they, won't they? No, I never got that from the plot. And so that's why I never had that. I didn't feel like that was where the story was going, but I can see how you could. Um, and it's just really touching how great of a relationship they have in spite of, you know, everyone trying to keep them apart. Um, like, Harry doesn't like it. Draco doesn't like it. Ginny's like, you know, kind of, you know, just let him be. Um, Ginny doesn't have a lot of time or um, lines in the play. But when she is there, she is the Ginny Potter you love from the books. She's strong. She is passionate. She'll do anything for her family. And that's the Ginny that I love. And Ginny everybody loves. And um, that is one qualm people have is that there aren't a lot of female characters in the play. They're not given a lot of screen time. Rose is there maybe like 20 minutes tops it seems. Um, Ginny um, has maybe slightly more screen time. Um, Hermione about the same. I say screen time but it's a book. Um, one of the main characters is a, is a girl though. A new character. Um, 
named I can't tell if it's Delphi or Delphi, but she she's one of the new main characters. Um but yeah, it's it's pretty much a male dominated story. Um which I don't have a problem with. I know a lot of people do and will I don't have a problem with it. Um I don't feel that the female characters are made lesser by it or that their characterizations are um weak or not strong. I feel like eat the female characters in the play Aside from Rose, because she's not really featured a lot. But all the female characters that we already know are, you know, strong. They're still fully developed. You know, they're the characters we know and love. And I'm okay with that. So, um, yeah, moving on uh, to the first thing that made me really angry. I'm not going to go into a super in-depth, like, line-by-line plot summary. I'm going to hit on kind of the major points and what I thought about them. So... Page 17, slam the book closed, text my best friend. Because on page 17, we introduce this theory that apparently exists in the Wizarding World now. That Draco Malfoy's son isn't his son. That somehow they used a time turner to either have his wife impregnated by Lord Voldemort. Or somehow he's Lord Voldemort's kid. I don't really know the logistics nor do I really want to think about it but I was just kind of like seriously we're, we're doing this um but I picked it back up um and that's kind of a running theme like that's why people don't like Scorpius it turns out it's not because of who his dad is it's who people think his dad is um yeah it's a uh, really, I just don't even know what to do with that. Um, but, uh, so that's kind of like the main thing in this story. And so you just kind of go with it. Um, Draco's mad that, um, Harry won't ask the ministry to like make statements saying that this isn't true or whatever. And, um, so that's what happens. Um, Harry's he has a really strange relationship with Albus and it's not really clear why um like it kind of just seems like Albus like my, many teenagers I guess do kind of just decides that his father doesn't think he's good enough and that's it and so he kind of decides and says, even though Harry tells him it's okay if he's in Slytherin, that Harry's going to hate him because of that. And when it happens, like, that seems to be, like, the point at which their relationship falls apart. Um, he becomes, like, really distant. He's, like, always, like, you know, getting in fights with him and antagonizing him or whatever. And Harry just can't seem to, like, reach his kid. And uh, it, it makes things hard. So, you know, they fast forward with the cool time travel thing all the way up to the fourth year. And I can't tell if it's like an every year thing or just because they're in their fourth year. But um, they give each of their kids a present. And um, Harry gives Albus in an attempt to like reach him and like, you know, rekindle this relationship. Um, he gives Albus the blanket that he was uh, delivered to the Dursleys in. Um, so we find out that Ampetunia died um, a few years before the play starts. And that like this was one of like the few things she kept was the blanket. And, you know, he tells Albus that he, um, that every October 30th, um, 
you know, he, he needs the blanket. He goes to the blanket to like hold it. It brings him comfort or whatever. And he's hoping that like this emotional honesty will like bridge that gap between him and Albus. And Albus is just like having none of it. And he just throws it like across the room and ruins it with this love potion that Ron gives him because Ron thinks that's a funny joke. <laughs> so that night, Cedric Diggory's dad comes over really strange um and he um he tells harry he knows that they have a time turner in the ministry of magic and he wants harry to use the time turner to go back and save cedric and it's not really clear if this is the first time he's made this request or if like he's done this before um or at least it wasn't clear to me like on first read um but harry's like you know i can't do that and uh so amos just gets really upset about it and kind of just says you know oh you know how many people die for the chosen one, you know, blah blah that usual thing. And um Albus hears this, and then this chick shows up and she claims to be his niece and caretaker, that Delphi, Delphi, whatever her name is. And Albus decides with Scorpius the next day that they're gonna break into the Ministry of Magic, they're gonna steal the time turner, and they're gonna save Cedric Diggory because because that'll spite his dad. It seems like that's the only reasoning behind it. Um, so that's the main that's the main plot. They're going to use a time turner, go back in time, and save Cedric Diggory, which is kind of like the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It's really dumb. Um, and so that's the plot. That's what the next this whole second act basically is. That they go back to the first and second Twilight tournament tasks to try and stop him from winning um and after the first one uh things changed a little bit uh and then the second time things change even more like i said earlier um and that's that's it the end of the first act you get the or end of the first part the jaw-dropping um cliffhanger is that Harry Potter's dead. Um, that they embarrassed Cedric Diggory. He became a Death Eater. Like I said earlier, Harry Potter's dead. And so the whole second part, at least most of the first act of the second part, is um, Scorpius trying to fix this by himself. Because Albus isn't there. He has to try and figure it out on his own. And um, he... He's, a, he's kind of a rock star in this world where Voldemort's still alive. Um, May 2nd isn't Victory Day. It's Voldemort Day. Voldemort's still there. Umbridge's headmaster, headmistress. And he, you know, he's like, I'm going to try and figure it, find somebody who can help me fix this. Um, and then he goes to find Snape, who still is not Voldemort's man, which is really comforting to know. And he... He sacrifices his life, basically, saying, I know that in your timeline I'm not alive, but that's how it needs to be. So they help him um, fix it to where he can um, get back to make it not happen. And that's what they do. And then um, they're back. They decide they need to destroy the Time Turner. Um and that's when we find out this Delphi chick is actually not at all related to Cedric Diggory. She doesn't even exist. She is the love child of Voldemort and Bellatrix Lestrange. Which, yeah, fan fiction, please. 
Um, somebody apparently predicted this as who the cursed child would be like a year and a half ago, I guess, on Reddit. Um, saying that they believe that the reason she's not at the clock tower at the end of book six is because she's having the baby. That she was impregnated at some point in in book five, I guess. I'm not really sure. Um, and that and they originally think her goal is to stop Voldemort from uh, that. They want to. She wants to make sure Harry does die so that Voldemort, you know, is in charge. And then they realize when they meet her that really she just wants to meet her father and kind of like work with him. Um, and they hatch this elaborate plot to try and trick her, then work, they end up capturing her. Um, and Albus is really angry. He's like, you know, we, we need to kill her. And this is, you know, like kind of that, the end of Prisoner Azkaban moment, but for Harry's kid, you know, where he's like, he wants to kill Pettigrew because what he did to his parents and Sirius and, uh, Lupin are like, you know, that's not what your parents would want. You know, you don't want to be that person. Same things happens here. Albus wants to kill her and Harry's like, no, we can't do that. We've got to be better people than that. And then leads to this completely heartbreaking scene where Harry watches his parents murder. And it's just heartbreaking. I may have almost cried a little bit. Um, and then... Um, this is all happening in the past, obviously. You've got to mention that. You know, they come up with a clever plan to get, you know, all the parents back to the right moment at the right time. Um, on the right place. And then they all get back up and go back into the future. And this whole thing has inspired basically Harry to, he needs to, you know, reach out to his son. And Ginny, the whole place, telling him, you know, just be honest with him. Just be honest with him. And that's when we learn the two random facts that Harry Potter is afraid of the dark. And he's afraid of pigeons. Which is really strange, but it's kind of a cute moment because he's sharing that, those random things with his son. You know, it's building that connection. Um, and there's this real, you know, another really heartbreaking, honest conversation where he's like, you know, most people, you know, have somebody to look to, to for parenting, but he didn't have anybody. So he kind of sucks as a dad and he realizes, you know, that he has faults as a dad because he doesn't know he doesn't have any frame of reference. And, you know, they realize that the huge misunderstanding, you know, of every after-school special is that Albus thinks that James is the most like Harry. And so that's why Harry is such a mu so much of a better dad to him. But then Harry, you know, twists the tables and tells Albus, like, no, you're much more like me than he is. Everything's easy for James. And nothing was ever easy for me. And that's when, you know, you have the hug it out, realize, you know, we're more alike than we thought. And everyone's happy. Um basically the end um there's some really powerful scenes where harry talks with dumbledore's portrait and you get that like angsty order the phoenix harry again uh, a lot of the play you just want to punch albus in the face because he's like angsty book five harry like add on overacted angsty movie five harry and then like add on top of that like it's like the motivation is kind of it's vague you know, you don't really understand why there's so much anger towards his dad. Um, but, I mean, the, the plot twist happens. You realize this is the story we're going to go on. And I'm immediately like, I'm this is going to suck. I'm going to hate this. And, I mean, act one, for the most, or part one for the most part, isn't great. I mean, you're setting up this terrible story that's really fan fiction-y. And you're you realize you know we're just retelling the same story we already read and we're just taking it and basically like 
blaspheming the crap out of it. But then, like, the last few scenes of part one, I don't know, totally just kind of took a shift for me. And you realize, yeah, this story is stupid, but they're going with it. They're committed to this story. And then the way they go about telling that story is really what gets you. Like, you get past the fact, like, you know, you just kind of make your, you know, your amends with the fact that this is a really terrible story. But if you just move past that and you just commit to this is okay. They're going to tell this story. Let's see how they do it. And it ends up being really good. I mean, act or part two is really emotional. There's a lot of heart to it. You know, it becomes the story of adult Harry Potter, not knowing how to relate to his kids, not knowing how to be a parent, not knowing how to do any of these things. Cause you know, he was an orphan. He doesn't know how to do it. And, um, you know, it, it just, it's, it gets you in the feels a little bit. Um, I'm like immediately, it only took me about three hours to read. Um, and immediately I was like, I want to read that again. Um, I definitely want to see it if I get a chance to see it. Um, and it wasn't as terrible as I expected it to be. I made my expectations really low after reading and listening to like MuggleCast and other reviews from fan sites, the spoiler free ones. You know, my, I thought it was going to be like the last episode of Hi, My Mother, where it made me regret eight years beforehand where I still can't watch reruns of How I Met Your Mother because I'm so mad about the way the, the show ended. But it wasn't like that at all. Um, it doesn't, I don't really feel like it affects anything about my, it doesn't change how, how much I love Harry Potter. It doesn't change my thoughts on any of the books. It doesn't change anything. You know, it's just kind of like this added coda of like, you know, here's, you know, this extra thing, you know, I, I kind of feel like it's separate from the stories that I love that it doesn't affect them in any way. It doesn't lessen them, um, that I can love them both and realize that they are different and separate. So, um, if, even if you listen to this and you thought the plot was terrible, I mean, like I said, you know, just ignore that, realize we're committed to the story and just, you know, take it for what it is. And, you know, it's like, if you, just if you realize from Justin to Kelly isn't Citizen Kane and it's not Crease and you just accept it for the dumb fun summer movie it is it's a great movie you know the same thing here so I would recommend I definitely would say if you love Harry Potter go get it go read it go see it if you've got the money you know just do it I don't think you'll regret it I didn't regret it um and in the last bit of Harry Potter news there's a whole bunch of Fantastic Beast stuff at Comic-Con um they we got to see a new trailer which is really cool it's got a bunch of new beasts in it um it's got a lot more dialogue with a little bit more background um on newt's commander on um the people we meet a lot more characters you know we have more dialogue from um colin farrell you know we meet the two girls there's more interaction with that muggle guy um it was, it's a really cool trailer. I really like it. It's really exciting. I mean, you know, you know the story. Um, but um, it, was, it was a really cool trailer. And the really cool thing was that the Hall H panel, they actually handed everybody a Noble Collection uh, version of Newt's Commander's Wand. So we know what his wand looks like. You know, 6,000, over 6,000 people were given Newt's Commander's Wand, which is really cool. And, uh, I definitely want it, um, just because, you know, he's a Hufflepuff. Um, I got the Barnes & Noble exclusive Comic Con Pop, um, which is, um, adorable in every way. I love it. 
to pieces. Um, and uh, I am really excited for this film. I didn't think I would be as excited as I am. I knew I would go see it and I knew I'd be excited for it. But um, I didn't know I'd be this excited after all these trailers, after seeing all the stuff, you know. I'm really digging Eddie Redmayne's uh, portrayal of Newt. Um, I just It's just firing all cylinders. Like, I'm, I'm very, 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 very excited to see this movie. Um, so it's in, it comes out in November, and then a month later, we get Star Wars, which will be super cool and exciting. Um, so, I know I rambled and repeated myself, you know, um, retracing the plot. It's really confusing. You kind of forget where you are. I'm sorry about the rambly, repetitive nature of this episode. Um, it's late. I'm not going to edit it down. I'm sorry. Um, um, just a heads up, we will be um, most like changing the recording schedule. So, I actually have a new job in a school now. So, I'm going to be working every day, basically. And then Tuesday nights... I will be working at Starbucks, so we'll be recording Wednesday uh, afternoon, early evening, because I get out early on Wednesdays, and then um, we'll either be recording Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon, whenever I'm done at Starbucks, so, um, you know, that's just, just a heads up, I'm um, still going to try and get to you twice a week, because I made that commitment, so this has been an extra super long, super rambly episode of Radio Gaga, but... You know what? I love Harry Potter. And I felt like talking about it for 45 minutes. So until next time, I have been Jersey with the Z. And remember, all you need is Radio Gaga.